Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, it's Sunday morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Scott. I'm very excited about our guest today, Shane Klaus, because he combines two great things of this season. One is, you know, he runs Pink Grizzly with the other brothers and sisters and members of his family, and they're producing Christmas trees and wreaths and all that sort of stuff. And he also is a storied, you know, musician, you know, and, uh, we like to listen to Montana music around the holiday seasons, and he's recorded a number of albums. And he has his band, The Stomping Ground, and uh, he's coming out of the COVID pandemic and will be back performing again next year. And he's co-written songs with a lot of uh, Nashville legends. And so I'm anxious to catch up with with uh, Shane and find out uh, what life's been like over the past year or so. Absolutely. He's uh, I've known him since I moved here, Arnie, back in 2013. He introduced himself up here at the studio with our country station Kiss and uh, has just always been a very pleasant, affable, easy to uh, talk to guy and a very talented musician and uh, in fact, businessman. So he uh, he's always uh, he's going to be a good guest. Uh, we haven't plus, had him on the show. Plus, he's going to talk about a movie that he's going to be starring in which is a turn of events for him. Do you know the, the there's going to be, it's going to be known as a trend in Montana. It's going to be the post Yellowstone afterglow. Okay. Right. Of bringing a major production into our, into our fair kind of County and city and all the things that hang off of that. And this is one of them. Clearly. Right. Well, Nicholas Cage just shot, uh, you know, a film here, you know, we, a Western. You know, <laughs> and it's probably the Western that the uh, Gunner or the uh, from uh, Alec Baldwin's movie Rust. Um, yeah. She was on that. Sh- she was on that uh, film, too. So there's wow. uh yeah, you know, Missoula is now uh, Hollywood uh, East, Northeast. <laughs> anyway, In Rocky Mountain West, the Rocky Mountain West capital of uh, of um, Western movies. Exactly. And Kathy, my wife is getting me into Yellowstone now. So I'm now kind of getting understanding what uh, everyone's so excited about. It's hard to not watch it. It's the number one syndicated show in the country. Incredible. Yes. Right here in Montana, right here in Missoula. Anyway, when we come back, Arnie and I are going to welcome our guest, Shane Klaus. Back after this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Arnie, we are back with our guest, owner of Pink Grizzly, musician, actor, and Missoulian, Shane Klaus. The bone vivant Shane Klaus. Klaus, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. It's nice to be here this afternoon. So tell everybody who's not familiar, I would say most of our listeners are, but tell them a little bit about the Pink Grizzly. Well, it's uh, definitely an eclectic name, as as the name uh, implies. So the Pink Grizzly came about uh, in 1956. My parents moved to Missoula, Montana. They had a truck farm. So they sold produce and sweet corn and things like a roadside stand. My father built the building. There was a sale on pink paint. And the kids at the time wanted to call it Pink Panther, but that name is trademarked and copywritten. So with our University of Montana Grizzlies the, in the pink building, it became the Pink Grizzly rather than the Pink Panther. And that was uh, nearly 70 years ago. And you're still carrying on the family tradition. Absolutely. It's expanded from uh, roadside stand. We still do uh, have a farming business and we sell uh, produce uh, for folks. But we have a nursery and garden center and we grow the products that we sell out of our nursery and garden center. And this time of year being Christmas, we sell Christmas trees and we, we make and sell Christmas trees, which we ship all over the United States. So we've turned it into uh, somewhat of an eclectic entrepreneurial venture. And from what I know, you ship thousands of those wreaths around the United States. We ship several thousand around the United States. Um, in fact, um, that, that continues to grow every year. Um, the biggest challenge is to keep the, uh, we actually have the retail store as well. So right, um, uh, right now, if you came in there today, uh, it's tough for us to keep the, uh, the stock in our own retail store full because um, the internet is so powerful and um, folks that uh, like our product typically come back. So it continues to grow every year. So we're, we're a little bit uh, short on stock, but we're making them as fast as we can. And does all the stock for the wreaths and the trees come from your, are, are they yours or are they grown by you? No, they are grown by God in the mountains of Western Montana. <laughs> so, uh, so we actually do a lot of tree thinning, uh, forest management. Uh -huh. I have a friend that has private forests that we're able to cut and we help, uh, do some thinning on his forest, primarily Douglas fir. And instead of putting those trees into piles and burning them, we actually take that tree that's not really usable for timber or any other product. And we take the branches and make a product out of it, obviously a Christmas wreath. And we can also make those into Christmas trees. Also, um, we buy a lot of trees from the Sailor's Kootenai Reservation, which is just just due north of us. Right. And I have uh, several decades relationship with several men that have worked in the and families that have worked in their in the woods their entire lives. And so this time of year, um, the Christmas tree business uh, is is or cutting wild Christmas trees is, is a good business for those folks. When you uh, when you ship products uh, across the country, have you noticed any supply chain uh, challenges? Give it you know with shipping materials or anything given due to COVID. We well, our wreath rings and and many other things that are kind of a raw material, um, especially things made out of steel, 
A mm-hmm. lot of that was outsourced to China not so long ago. And so like the, the rings that the reeds are made on, uh, I have some 5,000 of them uh, sitting in a container on a port in Seattle because it can't be released. So yes, even the shipping um, challenges around the U.S. have affected us. Plus um, the shipping deadlines in order to get a product to somebody by Christmas Day, those have moved up by about a week. Sure. Um, so if you're wanting to ship something back home to like New Jersey or New Hampshire or New York, you'd want to make sure that that got shipped out by about the 13th of December to guarantee it's going to get there by Christmas. Now, if and, it's, are you, and, and are you pay, seeing uh, increased uh, costs for the, uh, the shipping containers? Uh, there has been an incremental increase in most of the uh, value-added materials that are coming out of China. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah, and while they're sitting there, are you are, are you paying uh, drayage on it? I mean, do you have to pay while the cart while the container no, is sitting fortunately, there. Fortunately, you know, w- when we order these things, we order them more than a year in advance. So uh, I, when I ordered those things that are stuck at a port right now, I ordered them more than a year ago. So the price is fixed when I order it. And the the importer, actually, they have to work that issue out with, with the port authority. Got it. Because there is a storage fee for it to sit there Absolutely, on the dock. Absolutely. I don't day. know what it is. Yeah. Every day. But fortunately, we don't have to pay that. Now, uh, if we had the same conversation next year, I do think that there will be an incremental increase for all kinds of stuff from, you know, from computers to little doodads like we use, especially plastic, anything that's made out of petroleum, you know, for our nursery business, mm-hmm. we have hundreds of thousands of little containers. And fortunately, I buy those two years in advance for our business because I did anticipate a, a massive price increase. Mm. Um, and so uh, that that's going to really hurt some people in our industry. So what happens after the holidays? Do you have a a lull season where where you're shut down or you know we do actually it's that's intentional um you know i I am an entrepreneur and i've thought about there's lots of things that i could do um i could uh do some things for valentine's day but um we're open a full 10 months out of the year now and um as we're not a box store and we are a family business um and i have several employees that are um, like family, we we do take January and February off. Um, mm-hmm. We'll work, um, and and that's also a time when we can do some things that maybe broke in the previous year. If we want to do some remodeling, it gives us about sixty days where we can fix some of those things up before we open the doors and 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 have customers come through the doors again. Oh, and it gives and us you, a little rest. And when you reopen in March, what's what's the stock? What what are people coming in for in March? Uh, well, as Montana, people are basically have cabin fever that, by that time because <laughs> yeah, winter right. is dark and cold and lots of snow typically. And, and they're coming in to get seeds to start their own plants. And some, some people just come in to walk around and see what we've got going because uh, the first week of Mark, we start, March, we start planting hundreds of thousands of flowers and then vegetable starts and we're planting seeds. So it's kind of fun to see the process. And if you come into the greenhouse the first week of March, you're going to see little teeny tiny baby plants. And it's kind of amazing, you know, because by April 15th, those will be huge and ready to put outside. Sure. So it's fun fun to watch that process. What, what effect has the housing boom and all of the... Uh you know, uh, real estate uh, growth in in the Missoula area had on your business? 
Well, I couldn't really speak to the housing boom, except that I did purchase a property last year. So I, I am aware of the increase in the value. And I also sold a property last year. So it was a little bit of a wash. Uh, you know, you want to buy low, sell high, but, right. you know, you know, if you're going to sell high and buy high, hopefully you can, you know, make out on both ends. I have noticed that uh, um, folks, uh, most folks I see are anticipating a higher cost on things. Yes. Um, I try to, we, we built our business being a low cost provider of the items that we provide or grow. Right. Um, we're probably not the lowest cost provider, but I do think that our quality holds up with anything out there for what right. we have. So, but I, I don't, really need to be the cheapest in the marketplace, but we want to be affordable. Um, sure. And and I haven't noticed anybody complain and say, wow, your prices are too high. If anything, when I do check up on, I, I don't really go look at other uh, local shops. Um, first of all, we're friends and friendly competitors, but I do look at what the box stores do because they they have a lot of folks that, that um look into what things should be priced and we price pretty competitively. So yeah. I, I think people are expecting prices to be a little bit more expensive because right. in, unless you're not paying attention to any news source, <laughs> it's it's pretty well known that there's shipping problems and energy costs are up. Manufacturing capability is down and, and we're having a trade war. So that causes things to be more expensive. And I think most of our folks seem sure. to, realize what, that. what about the customer mix you know we have a lot more non-montanans moving into the area who, i have uh, yeah I, it, it's that has been a very pleasant surprise you know like you mentioned most of your listeners you'd think that everybody knew what pink grizzly was or once you know what it is you never forget it because it's such a silly name right but i have noticed a tremendous amount of new customers and there are folks coming into our to live in our community that maybe are buying a home but there's a lot more customers that are renting they have an apartment they don't have a place for a garden but they want to put something into a container and they want to put a Christmas tree up. So we've seen a tremendous increase in new people that we've never seen before. And I do think the demographic is skewing younger. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Are you seeing more people kind of at the at, in the Gen Z millennial kind of uh, yeah. audience coming I, in? I think our demographic of the younger person and for our demographic, our typical demographic is a woman over 52 years old. That's what our traditional demographic would be for our main state customer. Uh, I, I'm actually just going to guess at it. But when you see people's faces, you can kind of put a, a good idea on that. And I'm seeing a lot more people in the demographic that are in the 28 to 38 year old range, which would be somewhere in that Gen Z that you're talking about. Well, one of the obvious reasons probably for that is the fact you know, almost right around the corner from you is the whole old sawmill district development, you know, and there are Certainly. hundreds of apartments there, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, well, all, all around us in every direction. Um, yeah. This, this area of town being the old sawmill district where Intermountain Lumber was, where the Silver Lumber Mill, which then became Champion, you know, that, that site is over 80 acres and it's still being developed. So right. this area of town that we were in, we used to be you know, kind of in the sticks when I was a kid. Now we're the geographic center of Missoula. Right. And just physically that there is space to build things here right. still. That's why we're seeing a tremendous sure. increase of infrastructure and and um, uh, apartments. Right. And, and, and a lot area, of those people got, are becoming customers. Right. And, and in your area, you have the apartments, which generally lead 
towards younger, you know, tenants. And then the old sawmill has the tech companies, which lean towards younger, younger yeah. employees and tenants who want to live in the area. And you know, you're seeing, you're seeing the uh, tertiary effect of all of that. Yeah. And it, that, that was also something that surprised me a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, when, when an opportunity presents itself, you have to be ready and willing to take advantage of it. So um, we plant a lot of, we, uh, one of the things I do is show people how to plant a garden in a container. You know, you want something that looks pretty, put some flowers in it, plant a tomato and some cucumbers and some things that you can eat in a container on, on the porch of your apartment complex. Right, smaller right. media, smaller medium. I'm, I'm curious, Shane, yeah. what was it like working through when they were uh, developing or rebuilding uh, Russell Street and re- rehabilitating Russell Street and expanding it? That, um, that, was, a, that was very challenging. Um, it's extremely stressful, you know, from, from the... From the family aspect thing, you know, we're a historical, you know, little 4-H farm family, and we had our property that never changed for years. That was stressful on the family side because in uh, in one day, what I had seen and noticed my whole life changed. They came and mowed sure. down 50 trees, and they dug 14-foot deep holes all around our, uh, you know, all surrounding the property. So that was a challenge. Um, fortunately, because we're so active in the community, you know, my brother was a president of chamber of commerce. I'm volunteer a lot. We have a lot of friends, not unlike yourselves. And the reason why we're talking today that we reached out to and said, Hey, you know, you've been through this before, or you're a developer, you're an engineering firm. If you were in our shoes, what can we do to plan for this? So I had a significant amount of time to plan for it. So the first thing I did is I went out and found another property that I could build another location. Mm -hmm. So, out of you know, I'm a pretty positive person, and I I believe that with every challenge it brings opportunity. So, um, and fear is a great motivator. I, I was not willing or too lazy or whatever you want to call it. I just too overwhelmed that to 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 reach out and start another location. But when I knew that construction could potentially shut us down just by what they had to do, I, I started a new location in Lolo, and it was a success and a profitable venture in its first year. And now you know, we're five years into it because I started that the year before construction. And, sure. and I knew the construction would cause a great hardship, but I always, you know, told everybody and our employees, because I didn't want anybody to get scared, but um, I just told them, I said, look, this didn't come to stay. It came to pass. And once it's done, it's going to be a major improvement, not only sure. for our community and the traffic pattern, but for our business. And that's exactly what's happened. And when you and when you did that temporary location, did your 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 customer followed you, correct? Yeah, we did. Plus, it's the first time that um without, you know, we talked about the apartments. It, we it was the first time where we were able to get new customer base from the Bitterroot, you know, f- folks that may not want right. to drive up to Missoula or Reserve Street Corridor. They like our products, but they they don't like what it takes to come down Russell to get to us. So going to Lolo, which is a little you know town, a commuter community, um, it's not too hard to get there from Hamilton. Or you know, we even have people that come from San Salmon Idaho. They're like, I, you know, I don't like driving the traffic in Missoula, but I, I love that you put this location here. So, um, and that's, that's really smart. fun too. We've become part of people's tradition, and so that that helped us weather the storm. It's still it was. For a business our size, it was a several hundred thousand dollar hit to our overall gross revenue when the construction was happening. 
but not only did I plan by um, creating a new location, I, I had time to plan for it. So I reduced overhead wherever I could without getting rid of our human infrastructure and our employees. I didn't lay anybody off. And we actually were able to do it without going into the black. I saved enough money. You know, that's where that old farmer frugal mentality that my parents taught us really came to service because I, I used every recycled pot we had. I was able to, you know, I tried to save money knowing that our sales would be hurt. Sure. But the, the positive side of that is I, I always knew that once the construction was done, it was going to be like floodgates opening. It's our parking lot is much easier to navigate now and it's safe. You know, yeah. once you build a parking lot, the first thing you realize is that you wish you had more parking spaces and you wish it was bigger because you on a busy day, you're never going to have enough parking and somebody's always going to build a bigger pickup truck. So you're never going to have a parking lot big <laughs> enough for everything. But for most people, it's much safer than the way it was before for backing on Russell Street. So in, in the traffic patterns, now people can get to us from Orange Street and from the Reserve Street quarter and Russell Street. So it's just much more convenient. And I think uh, some folks that didn't travel here before are now shopping here because it, it is convenient. So the, the construction project was, was actually a great blessing. And, and um, you know, I sit there and look at Russell Street every day. I, I think most people that travel it now realize that it's it, it was a real pain for a whole community to get through it. But it's it's it looks it nice. It's worth it now. It makes it much, much better. Shane, how many members, Shane, how many members of the family work at the Pink Grizzly? Well, um, we have essentially three generations. So my mom is 93. She still works. She makes she comes out there every day. She makes jam and sells it. My sister and I, which are generation number two, and some of the grandkids still come out and help. And even yesterday, we had some of my, my the great grandkids out. So I guess I guess four generations uh, actually help out with things here and there. That's that's a really fun aspect. That family's always been really important to us, and it's it's uh, it's kind of a cornerstone of of Pink Grizzly and that you know cute kitschy eclectic business model where we, we try to treat our customers like family. And, and you guys are both been customers too. You, sure. you, know, you kind of feel like you're, you know, it's almost like driving up to a lemonade stand or something, you know, it's, it's a backyard garden center that's grown. Right. Into something much it's like visiting a neighbor. Exactly. And, and we try to, to keep that feel. Right. You don't have to steal their stuff. You have to pay for it. At your <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that's right. you are a musician of some reputation and uh, how has <laughs> that kind gone? Of you to say. I mean, in a positive reputation, not in a scandal yeah. reputation. No, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, you have a following, and you you know you've you have a music career. And yeah. how has that fared during this pandemic era? And how do you how do you blend that in if you are still blending it in with uh, your uh, other entrepreneurial work? <laughs> I, I just don't sleep very much. That's what, what it comes <laughs> up to. <laughs> no. Um, you know, the the family business lent itself towards me being able to pursue my dreams, you know, get a, get a decent education. And uh, then I went to Nashville, as you know, and kind of learned how to be a songwriter and came back to Montana because once you get the Montana bug, you always want to go back there. And with the modern computer age, I don't need to live in Nashville anymore. I can actually write songs and I FTP them and, and the musicians are either in L.A. or Nashville. 
and and I can do that from here. Now, now COVID did, I had 14 gigs cancel and we're not talking like bars and brewery gigs. We're talking, you know, several thousand dollar festivals and private functions that we would do. And I travel regionally for, um, and, and hire my bandmates to, to come with me. So we lost 14 gigs that year. Fortunately, I have another job, obviously, that we spent most of the program talking about already. Um, that really hurt the music industry from the, the guy that plays at the Sunrise Saloon or the brewery pub all the way up to the, the big mainstream acts, you know, the, the folks at the Grammys, because they couldn't have live concerts. It, it, it devastated right. My buddies that are still in Nashville, then the songwriting is songwriting side of the industry, which is all about publishing. It literally shut down. Nobody bought a song. Nobody was shopping songs because y- you literally were not allowed to go in the studio to record with each other. You right. literally were not allowed. To, it literally shut it down completely for about three months. Then, then you're allowed to record a little bit um, with lots of rules. Um, that is unprecedented. I've never seen that in my lifetime. And, and music and entertainment is so interactive. Um, y- it, you can't have uh, a concert, really. Right. Um, we can do a Zoom concert, and it's fun, but there's nothing like seeing live music. And from, like I said, from the brew pub all the way up to the 60,000-seat stadium, if, if, you know, if you just go to the stadium to look at a TV screen, it's not the same as seeing the person live. No, so right. I think I have noticed people are very, very appreciative. The, the few live gigs that I've gotten to do here and there um, this last year, people are really appreciative of it. And for those of you, <coughs> excuse me, and for, the, for those listeners who haven't heard you before, what's the name of your group? Uh, it's Shane Klaus and Stomping Ground. If you if you Google Shane Klaus, there's lots of stuff, and I always tell people. You know, nowadays you can find my music on Spotify, iTunes. In fact, I, I don't really sell a lot of CDs anymore unless it's at a, a you know a face-to-face gig. So most of our music is consumed through Spotify or Facebook or, or excuse me. And then you can listen to it on YouTube. You can listen to it for free, and then if you choose to download, right. you can. Um, that that's opened up a huge opportunity for independent artists like myself. I no longer have. I don't have a record deal. I don't have a publishing deal anymore. You know, I w- would say I'm a self-publisher. And um, uh, it's it's opened up enormous opportunities. Like I said, I, I well, and, and uh, Scott wanted to talk about another project that I'm doing. I just wrote the score of music for a movie, and I wrote it, uh, uh, scored it out, and I sent it to some folks there in Los Angeles. We don't even see each other. We don't have a Zoom meeting. I just tell them, and then they record it and email it back to me, and I tell them what changes or. Uh, I'd like to make it amazing. We built the whole score for a movie and and then a a popular song without even having to be in the same room together. So it's very, this technology that we're using right now is, is uh, extremely powerful for the arts community. I I would be shocked if, if anybody under 25 even has a CD player anymore. (sighs) Yeah, there's, there's not very many. The funny thing is, you know, uh, so having been, started in the music industry when it was all about vinyl um, and, and, you know, and, and you had to have a record deal because vinyl is tough to record. You know, it's real to real recording where you're literally cutting tape and splicing together, you know, to, to now with pro tools or even the Adobe stuff that you guys use, you can record really high quality stuff right in your own home office. So 
Um, that was not possible before. And, and the cost of those things have come down tremendously. It was much more expensive to record an album um, 20 years ago. Um, but most people consume their music uh, from a phone or from an MP3, which actually is a very compressed soundtrack. So it's actually not the highest quality music that you can get. So here we as artists and in the production side of the industry try to get the highest quality you can and yet it it's going to be compressed down into an mp3 where you, you almost have to wear headphones to be able to hear everything that uh happens exactly the, i've i've yeah. worked with many musicians who said you know let's hear it in a car if it sounds good in a car that's 90 percent of my audience or in headphones when they're working yep. out I actually, I, I intentionally play it on my phone because it's, 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 you know, it's a, it's a soft speaker. So if it sounds good mm -hmm. on the phone, then it's going to sound great when you put it through a nice set of speakers. Shane, how did you, how did you get involved in doing, you know, soundtrack work? Was it, um, were you actively soliciting music supervisors for that? Or did this just, um, fall, you know, come to you? Well, it's, from from years of making contacts in the arts community, you know, I used to do musical theater. I can sing, dance, and act, and I learned that at MCT. And then I went to Nashville to kind of learn how to be a songwriter. And then I started the band, and uh, I, I did a movie short years ago um, because a fellow was trying to option a script to um, Hollywood. And mm -hmm. uh, this last year, when he decided to. Uh, film a movie himself he asked me if I wanted to be in the movie and I said sure and I didn't know that he was going to cast me as the lead in the movie I just thought I was going to be an extra and then I read the script and then he said oh by the way would you be interested in writing the score for this and I said well I've never done that before but I certainly can do that and I would like the challenge so um that That's was amazing it. when did you did you start is that started to shoot yet what's the give us some an update the, the, on that so the filming, the, 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 the script in the movie is called Eye for Eye, written by uh, longtime Rock Creek, Montana native L.J. Martin. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a Western. It, he asked me in February and I started writing that in February. And I literally just got the tracks back from L.A. last week and will be final mixing this week. And once I approve the final mix, they'll render it and master it. And then we'll uh import that uh ftp site and then i'll get all the stem files so the, the the song has words to it as well but for the movie background track you know they'll they'll want to just use the piano in one part or just use the guitar or just use the uh -huh. violin so they they have to have each individual track so they can do that when they mix the sound but you're acting in it too so have you guys done have you done have you shot it Do yet? We, have you done principal we, we yep we filmed all the principal we had three three folks come in from uh hollywood and it was filmed between uh mostly in the first week of june and then a lot of my scenes which were kind of pickup scenes or filler scenes mm -hmm. um we filmed between june and we've we've wrapped up filming in october so so as a native montanan and missoulian what do you make of all of the attention that fill you know shows like yellowstone and big sky um have have brought to the community have brought to montana what's your your take on i all think of that well it's creating lots of opportunities that montana really hasn't seen before our legislature also passed some laws which made it more favorable for folks to film movies in montana from a tax perspective the caveat to that as as we all that have moved to montana um 
for the relative solitude and, and the lack of overpopulation. I do believe that that industry coming to Montana will bring a lot more eyeballs here. And I think it's we're already seeing in our valley that there's there's more people moving here because of that. But I also believe, you know, I um, I was in the the arts school at Montana State and they have a great arts and film and TV program at University of Montana. It's creating a lot of opportunities for young people that are getting an education right here in Montana and, and they can work here. They don't have to go to LA. They don't have to go to Nashville. They don't have to go to London to try to get a job in, in the film and TV. Um, that I think is marvelous. What, you know, it used to be Montana's greatest ex export was its young minds and they would leave for 30 years and then come back here to retire. But I am seeing younger people that are able to stay here because they can work from home. And, and, and in the arts, they can work right here. You know, they can pick up a camera and if they know how to run it, you know, Yellowstone needs people to run cameras. They, they need, need people that know how to do lights. They yeah. need people that, <laughs> that can do rigging. They, let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Shane Klaus. He is the owner of a Pink Grizzly here in Missoula, as well as a musician, songwriter, actor, and businessman. Arnie. <laughs> so Shane, I, I remember when, you know, as we all do, when River runs through it, you know, had its effect on Montana, but nothing like Yellowstone and, you know, and, and the big sky. I mean, I have people all over the country when I have conversations with them, want to know if I know where the ranch, where the Dutton ranch is, right. <laughs> you know, and uh, a, a friend asked me about staying there and though they have two cabins there that they actually rent out for $1,250 a night. And they're completely sold out for this yeah. the rent for the year. Yeah. <laughs> they even have a security guard at the gate because they have a sign that says Dutton Ranch on the gate. And they have so many, you know, people driving by and stopping to take pictures of the gatehouse with the Dutton Ranch sign on it. It's really yeah, become I, a phenomena. I was an ex extra in that movie and, and some friends of mine were the ranch manager of that ranch uh, yeah. where they where they filmed it. And I, I was told that, that somebody from Yellowstone, I assume Kevin Costner actually bought the ranch. Um, it's a beautiful place um, down in extreme southwest Montana. Um, but for, for the little town of Darby, when they were filming in, in Yellowstone, there was the day I was an extra, there was more than 100 um, trailers there wow. that, that related right. just to that show. And, and, and then they are, they're using local contractors. So that, so anybody that can rent a boom lift or, you know, trucks and trailers and stuff, and then they need people to drive people that just drive actors sure. and extras. Well, you back know, and forth. A lot of that, a lot of the interior was shot at chief Joseph ranch. Correct. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of stories like, uh, some of the liquor stores in town and the wine stores, somebody from the representing the crew and the operational come in and basically buy them out they're having a big party or a big event yeah those are all the secondary and tertiary benefits of having a a popular tv show like yellowstone child in montana and i i haven't been on a production uh, you know i've been on a couple of productions in 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 nashville and then then in california as well but um my experience with the yellowstone crew you know and i was just an extra i just thought it would be fun and uh did some contract work for them they were great to work with. They took very good care of everybody. You know, it didn't matter if you were an extra or if you were a you know subcontractor or driving a bus for them. They maybe that's one thing that Montana has brought to their crew is you know our kind of down home, friendly, neighborly 
atmosphere. Um, but I, I felt that they uh, fit right into that, you know. Well, you know, again, I don't know how many people ever saw, I'm sure a lot, saw River Runs Through It, but the opening episode of this season on Yellowstone had 15 million viewers. Wow. It was one of the, it was, it was bigger viewership than any network show, Scott. That's amazing. You know, and, uh, and that, and I haven't seen it yet. I actually, I don't have cable. So, uh, (laughs) uh, people keep asking me which episode you're in. I say I was in the first season, so it's gotta be one of the first two and I'm just an extra. So there's no close-ups of me or anything, but, um, anyway, uh, uh, sounds like something that I would be very interested in, but, uh, you know, it's like the 21st century version of Dallas, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Except, you know, it's funny. They, they, in uh, Montana and that, they, they can't a big surprise. They cast me as a cowboy. So I, I could <laughs> pretty well. So, yeah. Well, uh, so Shane, so Shane, help me understand maybe a little bit of a timeline. So you were born here in, um, was it in Missoula? Cause I know your family's from up here. Yeah, I was, uh, before it, it used to be that, uh, babies were born at St. Pat's hospital. And then you went to community for others or, or babies were born at community hospital and then St. Pat's, you know, did the other stuff, but I was one of the last babies born at St. Pat's in 1973. So was, uh, born at, St. Pat's 1973 and then grew up on our little family farm right on uh, right on uh, um, <laughs> on Russell Street there. so got it okay and then when did you go to Nashville um, so uh, I you know uh, I went there in um 1999 in the fall and then i would work there um in my off season you know i'd work here in our greenhouse season we used to close it down about the 15th of july so i'd go there from july till november and i would come back and work our christmas tree season and then i would go there from uh, january until about the first of may and i would live there for basically seven months of the year uh missoula for five months of the year and um you know, try to, to make it in, in music. And in between, when I was growing up, Missoula's always been an arts community. And um, MCT uh, started when I was a, a young boy. Um, and I got cast in a show there when I was 17. I was at Hellgate High School, and they were doing the production of uh, the musical theater show Grease. And, uh, you know, Grease Lightning. And I got yeah, cast of course. one of the were characters you, in that. Were you Danny Zucco? <laughs> no, I was just, I was one of the T-Birds, though. I was, oh, uh, you were a T-Bird. That's even I better. I was Roger. Was, his nickname was Mooney in the show. So yeah, he's <laughs> the guy that got to pull his pants down and moon everybody on stage. Yeah. So I fit right into that role. Um, <laughs> um, but I really, uh, that helped me learn how to perform and uh, love of the stage. Um, I've always been a, a singer, first and foremost. And um, when I re- wanted to get in bands and wanted to start writing music, I needed I. I realized I needed to work on my chops and I've never been a great piano player, but I, I bought a guitar and I, I learned how to, it's taken me many years and I'm still working at it, but I learned how to be a rhythm guitar player so I could kind of hang with different rock and roll and country and bluegrass groups, which is, you know, most music's a meld of all those things now. Sure. And, sure. and uh, so, but the traveling, you know, helped me see a bit of the world and kind of find out where I wanted to be, which that's why I'm back in Montana. But um you know i'm you know i made those contacts over 20 years of traveling and learning how to perform and i uh, was able to 
because of my farm and ranch background, you know, I'm not afraid of pounding a nail or building a fence or, sure. you know, so I was always able to get a job wherever I went. Cause no matter where you go, the whole world over, there's a lot of starving musicians. So I realized yep. I had to have another job to make, be, be able to afford to be in a, mu- a musician. Sure. Do you find it harder writing for yourself or writing for an, another project? It's much harder for me to write for somebody else, especially, you know, I'll have people give me a poem or right. something and like, Hey, can you write a song about this? And I have to, for me, I have to be able to emotively get into it and, mm-hmm. and kind of put myself in the song or at least create in my mind an image of what, what it is. And so it's harder for me to write for somebody else. Um, I like collaborating with people and bouncing ideas off. Um, and I actually took Jerry Garcia's work. He said, good writers borrow great writers steal. So what I, if, when I run into, uh, writer's Bach, I'll listen to Fleetwood Mac or, or even a modern artist like Chris Stapleton that, that inspires me. And then I can get inspiration to either come up with words or music. And the finished product is totally different than what I'm listening to. But sure. I, I, I do often use other artists that are successful to, to try to help me in that creative process. Sure. You mentioned early on on a couple of occasions that you see yourself as an entrepreneur. So both of these areas are entrepreneurial, but what else are you involved in? Is there anything else to round this out? Yeah. I mean, you know, on the business side, you know, the, the business Pink Grizzly, our corporate name is Agrovite, which means cultivate life, which right. my brother and I thought was a good name for a corporation. So we, we grow and sell plants. We have two retail stores. Uh, we have a web business called MontanaWreaths.com because it's really the only thing that we can make, stick in a box, and ship anywhere in the U.S. Right. And then we, we also have a produce business. Um, uh, my whole life, all I, you know, I always wanted to be a cowboy, so I bought my little uh, 10 acre ranch yet, and I raise Highlander cattle and I do sell the beef, but it's more of a hobby ranch, you know. Um, and then I also own a, an orchard with oh, about a hundred and less than 130 trees. It's somewhere around 126. And I make, um, products out of the apples that we grow. And so, um, uh, I just have a real love of agriculture and I knew that I would always try to find something in my life where I could be close to that. Well, it gives you great satisfaction when you can grow and produce Absolutely. something. You can see the fruits of your labor. Lots of us, you know, do all kinds of work and you never see the benefit of it in your right, lifetime. Right. It's pretty fun. Um, you know, and it's, it's simple. You put something in the ground and then it, uh, by the end of the season, it gives you something back and you, you make something that people can eat or, or a flower that people can enjoy or right. sell them a Christmas tree that becomes part of their tradition. It's pretty fulfilling. Um, a lot of the things we do, including my music, tends to uh, be part of people's uh, pursuit of joy in their life. I like to be a part sure. of that. Yeah, absolutely. Are you finding that um, the work you're doing on the music and the acting side um, is a there's because there's a lot of marketing of yourself that really helps you build audience right through social media. Um, Absolutely. How do you do that? And kind of what's your approach to that? Do you have folks helping you with that? Explain a little bit about when you have the time, because I'm thinking about your day to day and I know it's like over at Pink Grizzly right now. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm exhausted thinking about it. Yeah. This time of year, it's more difficult because, um, you know, I have to take care of my customers. Well, I have to take care of my employees first and then I have 
take care of my customers and stuff. And then I still have, you know, cows and stuff where I have to feed them. Right. Twice a day. But um, it's just, I've just worked it into my timeline. I, I try to remember that I did all this by choice and, and it's fun. So the music marketing thing, uh, social media does make that a little bit easier. You know, I have a web page that's my name, shaneklaus.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we use old fashioned reader board. I've got a reader board on Russell street with 35,000 cars a day going by. So when I have a gig, I'll put it on there. And um, the various ventures that I have, I didn't want to manage five different Facebook pages. So I have one Facebook page within that. I have five pages for all the different endeavors. So it's really eclectic, but all of those people that are friends of those various entities, whether it's Montana Reeves or Pink Grizzly or Stomping Ground or Shane Klaus, they, when I make a post, you know, they could say, Oh, Shane's in a movie, you know? And then because of folks, our relationship with folks like you, um, things like we're talking about today, you know, help promote that. And um, I've always made it a point in our businesses. We haven't always had a lot of cash to give the community, but if somebody needs a Christmas tree or for their business or their church, or if they need flowers, we're pretty generous with that. And I believe that's come back to us, you know, more than tenfold and, and people promote what we've got going on. And, you are, uh, no, so I agree. A lot. And, yeah. the, and, and Pink Grizzly and Shane uh, have always provided trees and things for a Christmas for kids charity that we just ran this right. last Friday, this past week, and have always come in and, you know, performed for us. They've uh, gone on the air on KISS. So it's always been a very nice relationship. And I know that uh, we value it, too, because it's very interesting to think about, like, as a performer, as an actor, as an entrepreneur, all these brands do work together, right? They all work. Absolutely. They, they help each other and they add dimension to what you're presenting to the community or to the customer base. Well, um, I think it lends itself to our community. I mean, Missoula is really supportive of itself. And, and as a community, you know, Missoula's made a pretty big splash. I mean, just look at what, what our, you know, our football team was just on a national stage on the weekend. Sure. And, and a lot of people saw that. So when you can be successful in, in Missoula, because of that community venture, you know, that can, it can move outward from our community. And I, I think that's, you know, kind of a kudos to just the way Missoula is. It Missoula seems to support itself. They support their local people. They support their local radio station, and they support they, their local arts and their local football team vehemently. Very, very much so. And I mean, I'd be we'd be remiss in not asking you this as the world is changing, and as Montana is now going to be legalizing uh, cannabis starting yeah. January one as recreational. Have a, you considered using any of your skills and entrepreneurial skills to throw your hat into that ring or pink Grizzlies hat into that ring. I, I, I think I know the answer it. to that, but my second I, question I have is considered it. I was to say, yeah, consider, but, and then the second question is, is any, have any of, uh, have any folks that are in that space gone to you and said, Hey, we'd like your help or we'd like to buy your business or, you know, because that's created a whole new set of opportunities for local businesses. It, it has. Um, so to answer your first question, I have considered it. I, I had six business plans of other people that, you know, you ask around town and who can grow things. And my name typically comes up and I, I would be interested in doing it, but more on the medical side. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the other problem with that product is that it is uh, still uh, not totally federally approved. So the grower, if the feds decided to crack down on it, can still get um, 
legally stung by that. And, the, sure. and then there's some financing problems. Banks can't give you a loan for that. So I've shied away from it mainly because um, there are still some uncertainties. Plus that industry with the huge temptation of cash that it brings. Um, I have many friends in other states that have been doing it longer, like Colorado and California, where they're enormously big agricultural players with um, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in they are just waiting uh, in the wings. And I think what you'll see, it was just what happened in Colorado. So all the mom and pop shops that were doing um, uh, cannabis um, have kind of got uh, overrun by the big, big, big cannabis operations. So we're probably going to shy away from that business because our other uh, enterprises are doing quite well. Sure. And I also don't want to um, um, attract any unwanted attention. So we're, uh, we'll, we'll probably shy away from the cannabis and see, see what, what happens with it. That's a good opportunity for us to take a break. Our guest is Shane Klaus. He is the owner of Pink Grizzly. It's a family business, also renowned musician, songwriter, actor, and Missoulian. Back after this. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Medicaid and CHIP offer free or low-cost health coverage for children and teens. Hospital and doctor visits, prescriptions, shots, and more are covered. That's peace of mind for parents if a child is sick or gets injured. And parents may now be eligible for Medicaid, too, even if they've applied in the past. Enrollment is always open. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-877-KIDS-NOW. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Arnie, we are back with our guest, Shane Klaus. So, Shane, you have any gigs coming up that uh, you can alert any, us to? You know, I don't have any any public gigs coming up uh, for the end of the year. It's kind of intentional because we're so busy with our, our retail business. But uh, uh, next year, uh, I think I'm already booked at the fair, and then I'm booked at Rock Creek. I believe it's July 29th. They're going to have a big uh, festival. They just remodeled the 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 bar and restaurant at Rock Creek, and they're going to do a festival out there, and we're going to headline that. And um, and then uh, hopefully, God willing, by um, uh, sometime in February, you'll be able to see the movie Eye for Eye uh, that I'm in on Amazon Prime. That'll be fantastic. I'm sure the whole family's going to gather together to uh, to share that experience with you. That'll be really cool. But I That's think we'll, exciting. We'll, we'll end up having a premiere in Missoula, and I oh, think it'll be uh, public. 
So I'm not exactly sure where that'll happen yet. Right now they're in the editing phase and that takes a long time, you know, get, make sure all the pictures are right together and then they've got to get all the, the background sounds and, and integrate the, uh, the theme music that I wrote into right. it as well. Would we know any of the other cast members? You would. Um, so very famous man. His name is John Savage. Uh, one sure. Of I know John I Savage. From my, from my youth was the deer hunter. The deer hunter. Uh, he was fabulous in that. Yeah. Uh, I believe Robert De Niro. Yeah. In the deer hunter. Wait, you're on. He, he muted us. Oh, now you were saying Robert De Niro. No. Yeah. Robert De Niro was in that movie. And then uh, uh, Christopher Walken were also in that movie yes. as well. The, the deer hunter. And, and yeah. then. And John Savage was a major character in that. And he's done some 300 films. He was a wonderful guy to act with and a really, really kind person. And yeah. um, and then a, a lady named uh, Blanca Blanco. Um, sh she came up from Hollywood to film for a week. And and another fellow that played a character. So we had some Hollywood actors. And that was, yeah. that was a good opportunity. Well, John Savage probably had a lot of great stories. I mean, he's been in many, many oh. classic films. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's... I, I I literally think he's been in over 300 films. Yeah. And the deer hunter is considered one of the top 10 greatest movies of all time on many people's right. list. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yep. So tell us again, Shane, your website, how do people get a hold of you? You know, when they're looking to buy trees or wreaths or hear yeah, your music. So, so uh, my website is my name, shaneklaus.com. So you can see it there. And then of course, Facebook, you know, if you just go on Facebook and look for Shane Klaus, you'll find me there or on YouTube. Shane Klaus on YouTube. And then for our business side, you know, if you go to pinkgrizzly.com, that's going to take you to our Christmas wreath website. Um, and that's montanawreaths.com. We, uh, you know, there's kind of two brands that are working together there. Um, locally, Pink Grizzly works great because everything we sell there is a fresh product. So you don't really ship that. And then Montana wreaths, of course, um, is, is seasonal as well. So montanawreaths.com for this time of year, if you want a Christmas wreath. Fantastic, Shane. You've been a wonderful guest. Uh, I knew we would enjoy this conversation and you've exceeded our expectations. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm, I'm really thankful that I was able to carve out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.